Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. This is an episode about 1998 Topps Tech, T-E-K. Interesting release from Topps late in 1998. I don't think it was an afterthought. The tech sub-brand was, came out over three years. This was the first year. I'm not sure it was met, but with great success, a little too complicated, not easy to collect. There was many different ways to collect it, but if you were an exhaustive collector, as many were in those days, it was really tough to put together an 8,100 card base card set. First of all, uh, thanks sponsors. Tops Panini Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Comsey.com and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Actually, and I had tipped you all off to this, is that I actually won a couple boxes of these from Huggins and Scott. Not sure I overpaid. I probably paid about what they're considered to be worth. Originally, they were five bucks a pack. SRP was so about a hundred bucks a box. 20 packs per box, four cards in a pack, one silver diffractor in every six packs, which when you don't see that many packs, then even though the pack odds are good, you're going to get one out of six. Uh, so they weren't impossible, but there weren't that many boxes. I, I don't, don't remember them being around that much. So I don't think it was overproduced. I was expecting to get three and hoping to get four per box. And, and so that would be uh, six, seven, or eight out of the two boxes that I got. Uh, I was going to do two-part episode and, and give my anticipation episode of what I was hoping to get in maybe the next day after. And I was thinking about that day, and lo and behold, my wonderful wife brought me a package that had just arrived and said, hey, guess what you got in the mail from uh, FedEx from Huggins and Scott? I said, okay. It was a smaller box than I thought, but again, it didn't take up much room from back in those days. So I opened up. I thought, I'll just put it all into one episode, but I will lead off with what I was expecting and then uh, finish up with what actually happened, whether I had a good experience or not. I was not expecting to make money, but I was not expecting to lose money either. I don't think I would have bid unlimited, but I bid up to where I thought, and I wound up winning. In fact, this was right after the National, and so I pulled back on bidding on some other things because I had a lot of cards from the National. So I was expecting to get 153 base cards and seven silver diffractors out of 160 cards for 40 packs and four cards a pack. Actually, I got 150 two base cards. I actually had one pack that only had three cards in it. All the other had four, but the one that only had three cards <laughs> had a diffractor in it. So I actually did get seven. I got three out of one box and four out of the other box, which would be probably about right statistically. Generally, in those days, when the pack odds were stated, they'd get in trouble if it was worse than that, and they don't get in trouble if it's slightly better. So I was expecting to at least get three and, and I did. So I got seven. So then the question of which seven? The other question is, should these be graded? Should I handle these with white gloves? And I'm thinking this is one of the sets that is the least condition sensitive. It's almost card condition insensitive in that it's hard to mess these up. They're plasticky. I think I could drop them on a corner. That There's not fraying. And so even whether I grade this, grade some of them is questionable, especially if it's going to take a year to get them graded. On the other hand, it's it's not a fast-moving, hot-right-now set. It's just something that I think player collectors would be interested in. I haven't sorted yet. I just opened the boxes, and so I'm ready to reveal that. But I'm sure I got if not a complete mixed set of all the different patterns. And uh, there's 90 players, and then there's 90 patterns for each player, and there are triangles and speckles and stars and different things. I don't know how they come up with 90 patterns, but they did. I was thinking 
and maybe in some of these years, the high number patterns are tougher, but not in this year. There's supposedly no premiums for specific patterns. Some of them look better than others, but I don't think that uh, matters enough. There have been collectors who have accomplished the amazing feat of putting together the complete base set of 8,100 cards, 90 different patterns for each of the 90 different players. I'm not doing that. I don't know. It'd take up a lot of room. I looked on ComC. There's, I think, about a thousand cards on ComC out of the 8,000 of the base cards, and there's not that many diffractors. The diffractors are tough, and I think when people got them, they, they don't look drastically different, but they have that cracked ice look in the middle, and so they're not gorgeous. I think they would probably grade well, and I, I think they're very saleable, that, that they would be in demand because the player collectors, I think. would. So I looked at it and I thought, well, if I'm going to get six or seven of these uh, diffractors, what am I hoping? I'm hoping for Griffey. <laughs> I'm hoping for Jeter. I'm hoping for Bonds, to a lesser extent, you know, Ripken, Bonds, Frank Thomas, McGuire, and even A-Rod. There's an interesting play here. If A-Rod gets involved in ownership of a card company, that may increase his prominence and he's got great stats, and there's love him or hate him, he, he was a great player. So I was hoping to get one of those guys, and we'll see. But actually, when I look at it, and then I looked at some of the results on eBay and other places, it's actually the next rank of guys that have uh, strong followings, The not semi-stars, but the, the stars that are not the biggest stars that people really play or collect. I think those diffractors will do well. So I hope to release them out into the float. I may grade one card. And I think I'll tell you which one it's going to be because I want to put one on my wall of fame. And that would commemorate this purchase and this fun experience. Because I really enjoyed opening up the packs. I had to think, okay, now what do these diffractors look like? And then when I popped one, I thought, okay, that's... And I remember, but I didn't open these back in 98. Somebody else did. We, I'm sure we got a, a box as a company and, and opened it up and, and uh, talked about it in the November 98 episode of Beckett Baseball Card Monthly, and then it first appeared in the price guide in uh, December of 1998. The set debuted, the, the mix set debuted at 150 bucks, and it's not that far away from that right now. If you put together a set, maybe you get a little more than that, but people just not collecting sets that much. But if you're a player collector, getting all 90 patterns and all 90 diffractor, silver diffractor patterns, that's no small feat. So I probably will only grade one of the cards. I just don't think it's probably worth it. As I said, it was a three-year experiment by Tops, and probably a failure. The volume could not have been that high. But again, what that means is this, and I, I really contemplated buying this because I thought, if I'm going to buy a box, this is the epitome of what I've been talking about. Low supply, low demand. That's my specialty. I'm, I'm a very patient seller. I'm not really concerned with with how long it takes. Uh, I think uh, if I put a reasonable price on some of these things, even the base cards, most of them are not on Com C, which is where I put cards like that. And then I can figure out what I want to do with the others. Okay, so the reveal. I'm not going to reveal whether who I got duplicates of in the base cards or what their patterns were. I'm just going to talk. I'm going to give this in order of what came out for as I was pulling. Uh, the first diffractor I got was Jim Edmonds. I can sell him. In fact, to skip to the bot after I tell you, the, I, I think I broke even on the boxes. When all is said and done, not counting my time, and if I add in the, some some uh, Com C fees, I, I think I'm going to about break even. The next one I got is Adrian Beltre. Okay, now I think I'm going to put that on my wall. I think he's uh, uh, a sure Hall of Famer at this point. Very much loved in our area here. 
and it's a nine or a ten. It's right out of the pack. And again, I don't think there were quality control problems too much on the, the centering here. I expect to get a good grade. And I'll get it back in a year, put it up there. The next one was Chipper Jones. Again, very saleable. Next was Paul Konerko. And I think that's still okay. Then Randy Johnson moved around lots of teams, but hopefully that means lots of collecting interest. And then I got Travis Lee. Not real excited about that, but he's, I still sell some of him on ComC sometimes. And then finally, Barry Bonds, which would be the highest stats guy. I don't know that he has the biggest following, but... Friends, very likely that he will eventually be in the Hall of Fame. Just his stats, pre and post steroid and PED use, he may have been a Hall of Famer without that last part of his career. He was an outstanding player with the Pirates. And so, anyway, I, I don't know huge winner, and that's probably why it, it's not way bit up. There's no PMGs or anything that's going to be a, a four-figure card. I think the best card I could have gotten would have been a Griffey Diffractor, and I don't know which one. But I, again, any of these big stars, even, I think we're talking about hundreds of dollars and not thousands, even if it's a 10 or a 9.5. Maybe a black label? <laughs> That'd be interesting. That could be very interesting, but I don't think I'm going to have that patience. Thanks, Tops, for putting out an interesting set, but I'm glad you didn't do it in perpetuity because I remember the consternation we had as a price guide team when that came out. It's just hard to, at least they were all equally, pretty much equally value. There weren't uh, differentials and different uh, short prints and things like that. So just dealing with diffractors uh, that are one per six packs, that doesn't mean they're six times tougher. It doesn't mean six times as valuable. Sometimes it can be more, sometimes it can be less. So again, they're the tough ones to get. And again, an enjoyable experience. Thank you, Bill Huggins and the rest of the Huggins and Scott team for timely shipping, <laughs> as well as uh, running a, a fair auction process and uh, giving me a fun experience. And people always ask me, do you like to open packs? I love to open packs. I love to open boxes, but I'm a little more of a capitalist. When I buy, if I spend $100 on something, I'm hoping I can turn it into $150 or $200 or more. And the more disorganized it is and the more uncertain it is, the, and the more eclectic it is, the, the better I think I can do. This was more of a calculated experiment that I thought I'd have fun with, and I did. So thanks, everybody. I, I get it. I understand why opening packs is a lot of fun. I started doing it in the 50s. It's great to open up a pack and see what you're going to get and hope you're going to get something great. And then if I'm disappointed that, that I didn't get, I guess I had a, a 7 out of 90 chance of getting uh, the Ken Griffey Jr. Or, or Derek Cheater, a couple of chances there. Not going to lose any sleep over that. Thanks, Tops. Thanks, uh, Huggins and Scott on this episode, and thanks everybody for listening. And uh, I'll do something like this again if you like. Thanks. The man in the house of